If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke 19. I'm going to read a short portion of scripture and then we'll get right into this. Thank you, Lord. When you get there, say amen. Thank you, Jesus. We're thankful for people that are students of the word of God. This is a living word. It's alive. We serve a God who's alive and we have a living word. And he's given us a living word. He speaks life. Thank the Lord that he speaks life to us. You know, um, <clears throat> when we read the word of God, the Bible says, and I've quoted it many, many, many times, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You'll never know that you can be delivered or healed or restored or saved except you hear the word of God. Amen. And, and God's word tells us everything that we need to know to give us the faith to become who he's called us to become. And then there's the extra life that comes through testimony. It's the fruit of what the word of God has done. And we receive just faith and encouragement through somebody's testimony. And this morning, I'm just so grateful that we have a Bible here in front of us. We have the word of God in front of us. As there's many Christians, believers in many countries that don't even have the freedom of religion to where they can have and carry a Bible. We're blessed. Hold on to the great freedoms and, and, and rights that you have before they're gone completely. Fight for them. Hold on to them. Amen. This morning, let's read Luke chapter 19, verse 29. The scripture says this. And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives. He sent two of his disciples saying, go ye into the village over against you in the which at your entering you shall find a colt tied wherein yet never a man has sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, why do you loose him thus Shall you say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent were, went their way and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why do you loose the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus and they cast their garments upon the colt and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way, and when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke. Your disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. 
God will not be without his glory and his praise. Amen. Amen. He will not be. Let's pray over this this morning. Father, we thank you for the privilege to be here in your house, Lord. And everybody that's here today, we're thankful for them here under the sound of, of, of this voice, Father God, that as we break open the bread of life, I pray that you'll speak to each and every person, Lord, that they will uh, receive this morning. They will be encouraged. They will be challenged, Lord. They will be convicted if need be. God, if the word of God deals very deeply with them, I pray, Lord, that they don't throw it off, but, God, that they embrace it and say, this is for me, Lord, and I receive it because if we love you, Lord, we want to keep your commandments. And I pray this morning, Lord, I present my body as a living sacrifice unto you. And Lord, I ask you to use me as your mouthpiece. Use me. God, let my mind be free and fluid, God, that the words that I speak of, of truth, God, will come forth, Lord, with great uh, power and effectivity. Activate faith in my life. Activate, Lord, your spirit, Lord, that it comes alive. And Lord, that as I speak, Lord, people are touched and ministered to by the words of God. Bring, Lord, everything to my mind. Surface it, God, that I can communicate well and anoint these lips of clay. For I have no talent. I can do nothing without you. But with you, I can do all things. And I thank you this morning. And I pray your blessing upon this. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. I'm preaching this Palm Sunday thought on the need of God. The need of God. And at first judgment of the statement of God having a need, I can hear many say, God is complete, Pastor, and He has need of nothing. I agree with you. I agree with you. This is true. But the God of eternity... Uh, you know, even though he may be in need of nothing because he's complete in all things, he only has a need when he chooses to have a need. He's a sovereign God. Remember that. God is sovereign and he can do as he wills because he's a sovereign God. So if God wants to have a need, he can have a need. He's God. Just remember this, he made us in his image and his likeness. So God has feelings and emotions. If we were made in his image and his likeness, then just as we have feelings and emotions, God has feelings and emotions. And he has things in his life, or, or, or in him, in his character. You know, even though they are perfectly pure, he still has feelings and emotions and things that he has purposed and chosen to need. If you read the word of God, you'll know that in Exodus 4.14, he expressed an anger with Moses because he was operating in unbelief or inadequacy. And he was angered with him. And he said, I can't speak. I stutter. He said, who made man's mouth? Who created you? I can put words in your mouth. You don't have need of anything. If I speak through you, I can speak one word. I can tell you I've only given you a one word message and it is tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Amen. And there was a lot of power in let my people go. But we see in the word of God that God expressed anger. In Exodus 34, 14, we were told, worship 
No other God for the Lord whose name is jealous or impassioned uh, is a jealous God. So he's a God that feels anger or expressed anger. He's a God that has a jealousy, but it's a pure and holy jealousy because he is jealous for you, amen, and your attention and your love and your allegiance unto him. At, at Lazarus' tomb, Jesus wept because he had a heart and he saw all of them weeping and he had compassion because Lazarus was dead. He knew what he was going to do, but he saw the effects of what sin and death can do to a person's life. And he was moved with compassion. He wept over Jerusalem in our chapter that we're reading this morning in 19 verse 41. He wept over Jerusalem that they didn't even realize their moment of visitation that he had come and they missed it. Amen. Don't let one of the greatest things in your life pass you by. Amen. And miss your moment of visitation and miss the will of God. In Hebrews it says that he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities because we serve a compassionate God and there's so many other places that I could bring up but I just highlighted the ones that I felt like were important but I just want to say to you this morning don't take issue with anything that doesn't fit your idea of God's character because he is indeed sovereign and feels as he chooses I remember hearing Oprah Winfrey one time say and I know I don't watch Oprah you may watch Oprah I don't watch Oprah but she said I can't serve a God that has the ability to be jealous I thought you don't even know what you're talking about he is an impassioned God he's a God who's jealous for our attention and our worship so God does have a need amen he created you to worship him and that alone proves that he has a need for someone to have communion with Praise God. So don't take issue with anything. Respect and honor his sovereignty this morning. Accept that and your questions will be answered. You know, a lot of people have uh, questions and they say, why this and why that? I said, I don't know. And to be honest with you, I don't even care. We'll find out when we get to heaven. Otherwise, if God doesn't show you, then you didn't need to know anyway. Amen? But I don't, I don't base my life or rest or stand upon explanations from God. I stand upon his promises. I stand upon his promises. He's a God who's promised us in his word many, many things. Every promise in the book is yours and mine today. Now our text, in our text, Jesus sent two disciples to get a donkey colt. And God the Son needed things from his creation to accomplish his work and his will. Did he not? At one time he needed a lunch and he borrowed it or used it from a lad. When God takes something or uses something of yours, he always blesses it when he gives it back to you. So at one time he needed a lad's lunch, fishes and loaves, and he blessed it, he broke it, and it multiplied. Don't be afraid to give God what you have because it's not yours anyway. Everything you have, you've received from him anyway. But what he's given to you, begin to give back to him and watch as God blesses it. I've never had a time when God said, give an offering, and it was a big offering, and you know it's not a sacrifice until it hurts. 
Some people don't know about painful sacrifices. What do you mean by that, Pastor? They've never given one. I'm just going to stop right there. But he needed a lad's lunch, and he blessed it, and he gave it back much more greater and abundant than what he borrowed it as or used it as. When he borrowed Peter's boat, did he not have need of a boat? He did. And when he was done, he said, now go, cast your net out on the other side. And they began to throw that net down there, and they couldn't even receive of the abundance of blessing because they allowed God to use, uh, Peter allowed Jesus to use his boat. Another time he said, will you give me a coin? I need a coin. Let me see who's got a coin. And he said, whose inscription is on this? Whose, whose image is on this? He was trying to make a point, And he used that coin. We know another place he borrowed a room for the Last Supper. Jesus even borrowed a tomb whenever he died before he rose from the grave. Here in this particular passage, we see that he needed a colt donkey that has never been sat on. There's certain specifics about God that have to be detailed because he wanted that for a reason. God uses his creation to perform his will. In the Old Testament, he needed a prophet, so Hannah lent Samuel to the Lord. He said to Elijah, go down to the widow of Zarephath. There's a widow woman down there, and she is going to sustain you in the midst of this famine. And I was thinking about that, and I thought, Lord, it's so awesome that he went down there and she obeyed the voice of God through the prophet and gave him, made him a, a cake first. But the Lord reminded me of something. He said not only did she lend to the Lord or give to the Lord and her meal barrel never ran dry. The blessing came with that. But he said she was set up for a prophetic fulfillment because not several hundred years later, Jesus began to speak to the Pharisees and he began to say to them, he was talking about, uh, he was talking about um, Jonah and he was talking about Naaman the leper and he brought out the fact that there was a Gentile woman to prove to them that God can use anybody and a lot of times he doesn't, we know he doesn't use religious people that will not give him freedom and liberty to work and operate in their lives but he'll use whosoever will come unto him and be, you know, be willing and be able and be available I love that because Elijah he needed a handful of meal from a Gentile widow woman to prove something hundreds of years later in Luke chapter 4 and it enraged the religious but she fulfilled a prophetic thing it's so awesome whenever we give ourselves to God and we give God what he desires of us and what he needs he always blesses it and we are fulfilling the perfect will of God. Are you hearing me? It was the, in the plan of God to make a triumphant entry prior to his crucifixion. And the disciples obeyed. The donkey owner obeyed. Even the donkey humbled himself and obeyed. The people obeyed in worship, rejoicing and praising God, shouting Hosanna to the King of David. The question today is, are we willing to give of ourselves for the need of the Lord?
is a donkey more obedient than you? Ow. Don't you just love the word of God? You can fight it like Jonah, but God will make sure he gets what he wants. You can't run from God. He'll swallow you up in a whale, and you'll go through hell before you get back to where he wants you to be. Because when he spits you out after he's got you changed in mind and thought and word, and, amen, you realize I don't want to go back. Why does God put me through the things that he allowed me to go through? Well, first of all, it's our choice. We did that. Don't blame God. But when it happens, we may go to the lowest hell or the darkest place. But when we come out of there, if we really love God, we'll come out in the will of God right where he wanted us to be. We just had to take a detour. But we don't have to take those detours if we'll just serve God. Amen. The Apostle Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus in the ninth chapter of the book of Acts, he was thinking he was doing something for God, but he wasn't. He was a zealot, but he was a persecutor of the church. And the scripture tells us that God met him on the Damascus road and he knocked him to the ground and he said it's hard for you to kick against the goads it's hard for you to kick against the pricks see you can run so long but then you can't run no more because God gets you to the place where you're at where he's trying to change the direction of your life and change your heart and you ought to thank God for what he's doing and what he's done don't let the lesson pass by and you not learn it but learn it and grow in God. Amen? Why are you preaching this? Because God needs your life. He wants your life. But He needs your life. You and I are part of the plan of God to fulfill His perfect will. He said we're His hands extended. That's why we're filled with the Holy Ghost so we can go into all the world and preach the gospel. And He said greater things than these shall you do because I go to my Father. So yes, God does need you. He can do without you, but he's you. he'll use you. He needs us. Don't think for one second when you see somebody and you see them in deep depravity and sin and bondage and say God could never do anything with them. Don't say that. God can take the lowest of the low, the worst. And he can change them. Amen. The donkey is an awesome example of a servant of God. He shows what a blessing we receive being used by God. The donkey was willing. And he carried the anointed Messiah. All God wants to do is bring you to a place of humility and submission where the anointing of God can rest upon you. You don't just come to church just to sit and put in your time. We come to the house of God because we worship God. We love God. We are his creation created for one purpose, to praise and worship him and give him our allegiance. Just see the blessing that it is to carry the anointing of God upon your life. The little donkey fulfilled a messianic scripture 
In Zechariah 9.9, he said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, the king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. When the world is rejecting Christ in any semblance of the one true God, like the Pharisees telling Jesus, tell your disciples to stop praising and, and worshiping you and shouting, that's the time whenever you need to shout the loudest. We're living in a time when the world is saying God doesn't exist. God's not real. There is no one true God. And everything that he has created, even in all of its boundaries concerning science, they've thrown it out the window. But that doesn't change God. And now is the time to really shout the loudest and say, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to praise and worship the one true God. I'm not ashamed of the power of God. You want to know why? The Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he said, it is the power of God unto salvation. It's the only power that's ever changed a homosexual. It's the only power that's ever changed a lesbian. It's the only power that's ever changed an adulterer. Come on. It's the only power that's ever put a husband and a wife back together. It's the only power that'll set you free. It's the only power that breaks every stronghold of bondage. I'm telling you today, he's a God. And he said in his word, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It's the only power. It's the only power. Woo! God doesn't need me. Yes, he does. He needs you delivered. He needs you set free. Because whenever you're set free, you are an example of a testimony that God can deliver somebody who's been an addict or who's been bound. You are a testimony. You're a testimony. And when God gets a hold of the religious, you know, the ones that have been in church all their life, you're the worst one. Because you're the one that thinks you're okay. But I'm going to tell you, we're not okay unless we make things right and we're okay. But he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth if you'll believe it this morning and you will act upon what you believe God will break every chain break every stronghold set the captive free 
There's been too many people that I've seen delivered from perversion, from alcoholism, from drug addiction. Amen. From homelessness. Are you hearing me? Why do you say homelessness, Pastor? Because there's people that have given up and they say, I cannot live anymore but in this squalor. But God has something better for you than that. He needs a testimony from your life. Sitting in this room, especially if this is your first day here, your first time here, are people that were incarcerated, and I'm not talking about county jail. They've done hard time, several times. In this place are people that were drug addicts, bound by alcohol, bound by the devil. You want to know why people are so free in here to worship? Because they've been set free. Ain't no hype in here. Ain't no hype in here. (laughs) Ain't no hype in here. No hype in here. Nobody's just jumping because they just feel like jumping. They're not jumping because it feels like sky zone. They're jumping because they used to be somebody that was lost and bound. My God in heaven. But today, they're free. I remember my dad telling a story about a little Pentecostal girl that went to a Pentecostal church. And she had a boyfriend that was United Methodist. Well, there's a vast difference there. Oh, there's a huge difference between. And and I know the Methodists have Christ. I'm not saying they don't. But but they're very subdued, you know. And if you've been in a Pentecostal environment, this is what we are. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. We want to be in a church that's a New Testament church that when people have a need in their life, they know where to come to get what they need. (laughs) Had a woman one time bring a lady to church and she said, our church can't help her, but you can. I thought, my goodness, if if your church can't help her, they need to close the doors. (laughs) Well, my dad said there was a little Pentecostal girl. She was about in her late teens and she had a boyfriend. He was United Methodist. And he, she would always go to his church. He said, I want to go to your church. No, not this week. I'll come to the United Methodist. She kept, give, she kept giving him excuses. About the fifth time, he said, oh, this week, we're going to your church. So she went around to everybody. She said, preacher, tone it down this morning. Worship leader. Don't get crazy on us now. Can you keep it to a few hymnals that are slow and subdued? Amen. Amen. Let's do in the garden this morning instead of graves in the gardens, okay? And she went over to everybody she knew, and she's telling them, now don't act up now. Just my boyfriend's coming. Please, 
I don't want to scare him off. And you know, I know we're free, but please, today. And she went to every person and she started to tell them. She schooled them. She told them, this way it's going to be, okay, please. Well, so they started the church service. Amen. They started the church service. And the music was very subdued and the pastor was up there. Amen. And, and it was just kind of going along, you know. And uh, they started singing that song, Blessed Assurance. And she got to everybody but the church mother. <laughs> and when they started singing, this is my story, this is my song. That old church mother stood up and she shouting and praising and worshiping God. Amen. And every cork in that place, God busted open and the Holy Ghost began to fall like he is this morning. And the Spirit of God began to move and people began to stand up and shout and praise God. Praise God. And she got up. And she ran out of the building. And she was out there in the front. And her boyfriend got up behind her. He ran outside. And he said, she said to him, I told them. I told them not to do this. I begged them not to do this. And he had tears streaming down his face. And he said, this is what I want. This is what I've longed for. This is what I've desired. Why are you trying to keep me from it? Don't say that. This is what we need this morning. My God, the Lord has need of us to worship him in spirit and in truth. Don't worry about how the church service is going to go. It's just what they need. It may not be what they want. God doesn't care what we want. He cares about what we need. That is how he receives his glory. The Bible says in Revelation 4 and 10, the elders begin to throw down their crowns. And the Bible says in Revelation 4 and 10, the four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory. God is already glorious but he receives glory from people that humble themselves and throw down their crowns in the throne room here. In the, in the final analysis of it all, or what we see here is John's vision of the throne room. Thou art worthy to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. This is our call. This is our ordained purpose and destiny to bring him glory. You hear me? Your restored marriage will bring him glory. Your restored marriage will bring him glory. Say, I got somebody... And they're just, they're just addicted to drugs. I got about 10 people in here I can put around them. Oh, 
All the city was moved in Matthew 21. The Bible says, same story, you don't have to turn there, but all the city was buzzing. They were moved with the visitation from God, the visitation of the Spirit of God that day. Amen. I just, I'm so blessed this morning. There is a revival that is happening across the United States right now that cannot be resisted by those who love God. In this case, in the triumphant entry, they laid down their garments for Jesus to ride on top of. <laughs> they waved branches shouting, Hosanna, which means save now. I know that they were looking for an earthly king to take over uh, the, the authority of Rome and free them from that. But we know that Jesus came to establish a heavenly kingdom, not an earthly one, even though his kingdom is working now. Amen. But let me just tell you something. Even though the kingdom is advancing here, you and I, amen, are the kingdom. You hear me? He said it's within you. You and I are the kingdom. And everywhere we put our foot, God is moving. It's like Brother Clinton and said, everywhere I've went in the world, and he was a worldwide missionary, every place I've been, I found two things, the devil and Coca-Cola. He said, but the only time I found Jesus was where somebody took him. So we advance the kingdom whenever we take Jesus into an area and we begin to preach and people begin to get saved. But the ultimate eternal kingdom is in heaven. And that's our ultimate abode and habitation, eternity. Listen, they laid down their garments for Jesus to ride on top of. They waved branches shouting, Hosanna, save now. So God spoke to me this morning. He said, tell the church, lay down your beggar's garments. Lay down your beggar's garments. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. When blind Bartimaeus was called by Jesus, he threw aside that beggar's garment. He threw aside that coin sack or that coin can. You know, we need to come back to where people get free from a beggar's mentality. And I'm not talking about you not having a nicer car than you want. I'm talking about going around and realizing and professing and proclaiming and declaring, I'm a child of God. Amen. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. I belong to the King. I'm not a beggar no more. I don't have to beg somebody to like me or love me. Jesus loves me. I don't have to walk around like I'm less than anybody else. Jesus loves me, and he's given me a confidence and an assurance that will absolutely give me that courage and confidence to speak when God talks to me. I'm not poverty-stricken. I'm a king's kid. I belong to him. So lay down your beggar's garment. Hallelujah. Because silver and gold have I none. But what I have I'll give unto you. Lay down your prideful garment. Come on. Some people need to lay down their prideful garment. 
This morning, some of you said, you know what, I think I'd rather go back to the United Methodist Church. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, the reason you want to do that is because there's pride down deep within you. You need to say, God, I want you to change me. I don't want to be in a dead church with dead religion. I serve a God that's living. He's alive. And he said, I came to give you life, and not just life, but life more abundantly. So throw aside that prideful garment. And when the altar call takes place, don't stay in your seat and say, oh, I'm afraid somebody's going to watch me or look at me. No, they're not. Not here, they're not. Nobody cares if you're in the altar. Nobody's going to look and say, what are they doing down there? Nobody cares. We live in an altar. Lay aside your prideful garment. Lay aside your beggar's garment. Lay aside your garment of sin. tell you right now some of the strongholds is the straight jacket that you have on that you're not willing to take off it's not that you can't give it up you won't you got to make a decision I won't I, I, I mean I will give it to God and I'm not going to pick it back up but they wave those garments those branches and they laid down those beggar's garments. And I, I can just imagine it. Jesus come, coming down that ascent from the Mount of Olives. I've been there twice. And you that are going to Israel, you're going to see it too. You can see the whole city line of that city. But you looking coming down that Mount of Olives. And you see that. And they were laying down those garments. And that donkey would walk over those garments. And as soon as he walked over them, they would pick them up. And they'd run to the front. And they'd lay them down again. Amen. Amen. Some of the things that you lay down, you got to make sure that they continue to stay laid down under the feet of Christ. And just remember this. Amen. Those branches were waved. Those branches were thrown or waved aside and the garments laid down. They represent something this morning. They represent that everything that you've placed, Jesus has put under his feet. What he was saying is, the things you're laying down, I'm putting under my feet. Does the Bible not say that Jesus spoiled principalities and he placed them under his feet? The devil's under your feet. And the palm branches, I know that they represented, you know, the worship of a king, an earthly king. But I believe God spoke to me and said, there's people that have had their own fig leaves. And they have to be thrown down to. He walked on the fig leaves too. What are you talking about fig leaves? Read your Bible. Adam and Eve sinned. They realized they sinned. They were afraid. And they hid from God. But they for the first time realized they were naked. Because their innocence was taken from them. I shouldn't say taken. It was given up. But I'm going to tell you something. They were part of the failure. We always blame it on the devil. Well, he's, he's a punk. But I can tell you, he only tempts because he's trying to get you to yield to it. So they sowed those fig leaves to cover up their nakedness. That's self-righteousness. And he said, throw down your 
beggar garment. Throw down your prideful garment. Throw down, amen, your sinful garment. Throw down the covering that you've made for your own sin. Throw it all down there and worship God. Amen. That's what he wants this morning. He says, I want to make a triumphant entry into your life. But I cannot do it until you come with a repentative heart. With a heart that says, I'm surrendering it all unto you, Lord. I give it all unto you. Come on now. Come on now. Remember this Jesus riding in on the garment of sinful man. He was saying, devil, you are under my feet. (laughs) Hallelujah. You are under my feet. Heaven's my throne and the earth is my footstool. Hallelujah. We are called out worshipers. We are his called out worshipers. And we have no song until we're redeemed. I remember I used to sing in church before I got saved. We used to sing that song, He Set Me Free, or at Calvary, or the old rugged cross, and Amazing Grace. All of the old songs of Zion, all the old songs of the hymnal, and I love them. I sing them. I pray to them. I just, or as they're playing, I pray. I love it. But I remember getting saved and born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, and they asked me to lead worship, and for the first time, I got up there and I sang. He set me free. I never knew it like that. I never understood it like that. They were just words to me, but whenever I begin to realize the king of glory is trying to make an entrance into my life and triumph over sin, self, and the devil. I realized, amen, once like a bird in prison I dwelt. No freedom from my sorrow I felt. But Jesus came and he listened to me and glory to God, he set me free. He set me free. He set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. I'm glory bound, my Jesus, to see. Glory to God, he set me free. Oh, I'm telling you, I shouted all over that platform. Pastor said, sing it again. I sang it again. He said, sing it again. Because whenever you're singing what you know about, you're singing what you possess or what possesses you. That's, you want to know why you listen to all that devil music? Uh Come on. Christians, I'm going to tell you right now, believers, born-again believers, you need to shut that stuff off. Because what happens, oh, now you're being legalistic. No, I'm not. I'm telling you right now, you don't know who it was that was singing that trash. They're singing it in their spirit. And if you think the devil doesn't anoint people, come on. And he anoints those singers and they sing that to you. And then later on in the evening, you're going, why am I having feelings of suicide? Or why am I having feelings that I want to cheat on my spouse? Or why am I having these feelings of getting loaded? Or why am I have all of these ugly feelings? Because you opened it up. Amen. Oh, you all are preaching me happy. Amen. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Listen, I'm getting ready to close, I think. Jesus is searching for citizens who want to be in the kingdom of God. 
He is making a triumphant entry into every willing life that will open up and give him access. He wants to conquer you first. Rule and reign on the throne of our hearts. You know, people will say certain things are legalism or certain things are bondage or certain things are judgmental or whatever. I'm going to tell you something. Whenever you get born again, really truly born again, none of that stuff bothers you. When the Holy Ghost tells you, don't want you to do this, you don't do it. I was born again full of the Holy Ghost. And at, at that point in time, I was a young Christian. Nobody taught me any better at that point. I was just a few, a month old baby Christian, fresh out of the crate. And I'm driving down the road. And, you know, I grew up in Missouri, and I was a country bumpkin, and I'm listening to country music and all that. And it just hit me one day, man. All they talk about is who's cheating who and who's eating crackers and who's bed and drinking and carousing and honky-tonking and everything else. And I thought, amen. And the Lord said, began to convict me of that. He said, that's not my music, son. So I started listening to Christian music. And then I wasn't singing that stuff anymore. But I was worshiping God, and I'm driving down the road, amen. There was times, and I would drive down the road, I'd have my eyes closed and speaking in tongues as I'm driving down the road. Here I am, you know, and God kept me right on the interstate. <laughs> Praise God. I don't recommend that, don't do that, but I'm telling you, sometimes you just get lost, amen. Praise God. But I am so thankful for when you get born again, if you love him, you ain't got no problem keeping his commandments. It's just that simple and that easy. He's desiring to conquer you first, rule and reign on the throne of our hearts. And he will come again soon as the conquering king and savior that they speak about. It speaks about in Revelation at the end of the, of the book. But if we don't cry Hosanna, the rocks will cry in our place. You know, that's not just creation if you drive out towards riverside or merino valley you get out there far enough on the side of those hillsides there's big old huge rocks i said man they, they, if they ever cried out they'll be loud amen but that's not just what he's talking about when he says his creation because everything responds to god that he created well yeah when he said water, you'd be as hard as concrete. Amen. When he said wind and waves, peace be still. Just like that. When he spoke through Joshua and he spoke through the prophet and he said, stop that sun or turn it back. It happened. When he said donkey speak, it spoke. And he said, chicken crow at the right time. Rooster crow, it crowed. Everything God created is at his disposal. And they are waiting, waiting to obey God. Waiting. Except his creation that he created in his image. And made a living soul. 
We're the ones that go. I'm going to tell you something. You are God's creation. Everyone's sitting in here. He created you. Your breath is in his hands. If we went through COVID, anybody went through COVID and you had problems with your lungs, you understand your breath is in God's hands. Your life is but a vapor, can be gone like that. But see, we, we think I can do it on my own. I don't, I don't have to obey God. I don't have to. I'm going to tell you something. Yes, you do. You belong to him. There's nothing that you have that you didn't receive from God. So you might as well just give up and surrender to God because he deserves everything from you. You are his. He said, I bought you with a price. And one day, we're all going to stand before him and he's going to say one of two things. Either enter in, thou good and faithful servant, to the joy of the Lord. Or he's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity and sin. I never knew you. We must be born again. We must be born again. And when you're born again, let me tell you, when you get up in the morning, you're thinking about Jesus. When you're going in to get your coffee, you're thinking about Jesus. When you're thinking about, you know, getting ready and everything, you're thinking, I got to pray. I got to read my Bible. I want to. You're thinking about Jesus. When you're going to work, you're thinking about Jesus. Amen. I know we get busy and we have all kinds, but he said, he said you pray without ceasing. He's always on your mind when you're born again. I got saved. I go to work. Everybody I talk to, I'm telling them about Jesus. I was a brand new baby Christian working at Clinton Cadillac. And I remember going up to every mechanic, just talk to him, looking at the cars, you know. I'd say, you Christian? No. I said, oh, you ought to be. <laughs> Nothing like it. Well, you know, I would just go to every one of them. Are you a Christian? They all knew me. When they'd see me, they'd start working feverishly. <laughs> but I'd go out there. They put me out there cutting grass in the back, and I'm going back and forth with the push mower, cutting two acres of ground. I thought, well, they got me out here, so I'm just going to sing. I'm worshiping God. That's back when we had the Walkman, you know, with the big old playing my cassettes and listening to my gospel music, pushing that lawnmower. I thought, these are the best times. I'm out there, and I'm shouting, and I'm praising God, cutting that grass, because whenever you're born again, you think about Jesus. All God wants from you and me is pure worship. Just pure worship from a pure heart. And you know, if we'll just give him our life today, he'll touch you, heal you. If you'll come with a seriousness and say, Lord, I just come to lay down everything, lay every garment, lay every fig leaf, lay every palm branch. And by me doing that, that's worship, and you don't even realize that. Because he said, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The desire for holiness is, is worship unto him. He loves you and me.
Oh, thank you, Jesus. It's time to quit rejecting and fighting against our Creator and not let the donkey outpraise you because the Lord has need of you. He has need of you. He has need of you. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a little girl. My little granddaughter, Lily, was in Target's bathroom. And a woman came out and said, is that your little girl? Sister Scott said, yeah. I don't know if it was Sister Scott or Priscilla. I'm not sure who it was. But uh, she said, oh, she was in there preaching to me. Do you know Jesus? Because you need to know Jesus. She's just washing her hands. You need to know Jesus. That woman's going. There's preachers and 50-year veteran Christians that don't even do that. Let the babes shout out in praise. It's perfected. Innocent. She got to worry about anybody thinking anything about her. Ain't no shame in that game right there, I'm telling you. What about you? Where you at today? God has need of you. Will you realize you have need of him? Because he loves you today. Amen. Would you bow your heads in prayer? <clears throat> Father, today I thank you for the privilege and honor to come and to have preached. It's exciting to preach the word of God. Lord, today as we come to this close and finality of this service, I'm asking you to deal with every heart and every life. The anointing has touched somebody today. Lord, I'm asking you to put in their spirit. Come and let God touch you. Come and surrender your life. Come and, and surrender it all before you here in this altar. God, let them lay down every garment. Let them lay down everything and receive you this morning. Father, I'm asking you, Lord, draw by your spirit. Break every stronghold of pride and of feelings of condemnation or anything, God. Let us find a place in this altar this morning. Let us receive from you, Lord, I pray. In the name of Jesus.